Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. I just thought after uni, I'm just going to pack my bags and go to London. What? A good friend of mine, he said there's an opportunity for being the next Little Mix. Simon Cowell gave this guy a call. Apparently there were 2,000 girls that auditioned, but me and three other girls made it. And my family were like, no, you're not doing that. I knew I wanted to sing since I was like 12, like properly sing. My dad would play a song and he'll be recording it back in those days. And I'll just be dancing as soon as it comes on. I'll be on beat as well. Music was my sense of escape escaping being at home and having to deal with a lot of stuff you know when I first got the email to say can you come and perform at Glastonbury I was like no this must be like spam email or something so I had to really check on this and it was legit I just thought in my head okay I only live once and my life is short now if I'm on my deathbed and I look back at my life am I really gonna feel like you live the best life you possibly could Bambi. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Millennial Mind. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you today. And I feel like it's quite funny because I had Satch on like a year ago and now I've got you on in I person. <laughs> I feel bad. I did his over Zoom and like you're in the studio. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> but I'm super excited to have you on today. But for people who don't really know you, which they should, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so my name is Bambi Baines and I am a singer, songwriter and co-producer. Amazing. And when did you get into your singing journey? Um, I mean, it's been a whole journey. Um, I knew I wanted to sing since I was like 12, like properly sing. Okay. Um, before that, it was, you know, it started from going into school assemblies and yep. singing all those <laughs> hymns and everything before we start the day. Um, and I just used to love it. I don't know why. Um, I've always the been hymns in, or the singing? Everything. All of it. It was, it was all singing to me. So I, did, I didn't really think too much about it. But um, I grew up in a household where everybody loved different genres of music. And so my uncles would listen to pop, drum and bass, garage. My dad loved trance. So, and and obviously Bhangra music as well. Yeah. And I kind of, I guess there's like videos of me from when I was two years old or something where um, my dad would play a song and he'll mm-hmm. be recording it back in those days. And I'll just 
be dancing as soon as it comes on. I'll, I'll be on beat as well. No like, way. Like this little thing just <laughs> bopping away. So my dad always says, you've got this natural thing about you. Mm-hmm. Um, but didn't, nobody thought I'd be a singer in, in my family. I guess it's not allowed either, being a, a brown woman. <laughs> when you say it wasn't um, allowed, what do you mean? When I said to my family, um, I want to pursue a music career because there were so many opportunities. I was I was involved in the, from the dancing aspect. So I started dancing in a Bhangra group mm-hmm. and I used to do music videos and all this stuff just as an, an extra. Mm-hmm. And um, there were opportunities where producers would hear me sing and wanted to take me on or wanted me to collaborate in a musical way. So I thought this is sick because I'm like 15, 16 years old probably 14 when I started, I had braces and everything. So I was very young. Um, and I was like, this could lead somewhere. I don't know where, but there's an mm-hmm. opportunity. And I'm, I'm one of those people where it doesn't matter how big or small, I'd always take an opportunity. And at that age, it doesn't come to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family were like, no, you're not doing that. Really? My grandma and my mom, especially because, you, you know, I think it's in our culture to say, um, get a real job, 100%. be a doctor, lawyer, teacher, blah, 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 blah. And um, I was like, well, that sucks. But I never gave up at the same time. So I'd be like performing in a different country and I'd, I'd lie to my mom and say, I'm just going to my best friend's house for two weeks. And she's like, okay. Stop. <laughs> and you'd go where? Yeah. I, I, so like it happened when I went to Africa. I went to Nairobi. <laughs> <laughs> You're joking. No. And your mom thought you were at your friend's house in yeah. England. Yeah. But what about your visa? Did you need one actually? Uh, so my management and stuff sorted it all at the time. Um, and yeah. how old are you? I think I was like sixteen. Yeah. I was 16. Does your mom know this? Or she, she does for now. The first time she now. does she's now. She's going to be at home. Think, like <laughs> she, um, we we joke about it because I think now she's uh, now she's proud of me. Like she'll show, she'll show everyone my videos and everything. So. I can talk about it, but I didn't do anything wrong. So <laughs> that is amazing. And you knew from that age that music was your passion. Yeah. And yeah. how do you think you found that? I think it's a feeling you have in your gut, like your intuition, which makes you feel like there's nothing else you can do better. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it was not just music, but anything in the creative field. Mm-hmm. So whether it's um, art or if it's dancing or if it's music, um, I just knew that I was involved in one of those three things, which I've done in my life was art, music and dancing. You are an incredible so. dancer and you're so confident. But I want to talk about the confidence thing in a minute. But you told your parents that you wanted to pursue music. They were like, no. Yeah. And then you did all these secret gigs. I did all the secret gigs. Um, I is a funny story. So my first ever single called Zalma, I was 16 when I recorded it or 17 one of the two and um we got the music video out and everything and i i hadn't told my family about this my my brother knew he he okay. went to the shoot with me so he was cool with it my dad's cool with it um but we never told anyone else and i was in school came back from school and my mom she was by the door and she looked at me like this <laughs> bombi and she's like akia like what's this and I was like, oh, crap, this is, uh, it's my music video. <laughs> so what <laughs> happened was my, I think my cousins from Canada or America, one of the two from my mum's side, must have called her as a catch up and said, oh, by the way, um, is your daughter a singer? And she said, no. And she's like, it's Bambi Baines, right? She's like, yeah, but she's not a singer. And they sent her the link on YouTube. 
And oh I was God. like, oh, crap, that's how she found out. But the good thing is it travelled that far. <laughs> so I must have been doing something right. <laughs> and what did she say? Was she like, you have to stop this? Because I guess you were studying at the same time. You were still yeah, going yeah, to yeah. school. Yeah. It's not like you were going to quit school and be like, I'm going into music full time. Yeah, it wasn't like that. I mean, um, the thing with me is for, I knew it was a dream, but I didn't know where it could go or where it could land. But I was hopeful and I believed in myself that I could potentially go far. But again, you know, the music industry is very fickle. So I made a promise to myself that I'd do the music thing, see where it goes, but also have a backup. So I went to university. I did all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Also to make my family proud because no yeah. one went to university <laughs> in my family. So oh, really? You were the yeah. first one? Yeah. I think wow. that's why there was pressure. And I've always been that person who I just don't want anyone to feel bad, whether it's friends or family. And I like pleasing a lot of people. It's just in my mm-hmm. DNA. Um and so I went to university for them because my, my grandma said, I just want one person in my family to have a picture with with the hat and the little scroll. Oh. And I was like, oh, man, now that you've said that, I have to go I to university. To go. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I wanted to do was um, just go into music, but I still went to university. What's interesting what you've just told me and what I hear from so many people is like, I believed in myself. And I wanted to give myself one shot. And in my own story, I said to myself this March, okay, I'm going to get a studio and I'm going to just promise myself I'm going to upload one video a week. And that's it. And it really, really being persistent and being consistent has really helped. And it really has paid off. I mean, it still hasn't paid off to the degree I want it to, but I've seen a significant improvement from just believing in myself. But at such a young age, when when you're clouded by the opinions of other people, it's so difficult to believe in yourself. Yeah, So what was it about music? And what was it that you had within yourself to be like, I have to do this? Um, Especially if you're a people pleaser, by the way, as well. Because it's easy to be like, okay, they want me to do that. And I guess I don't know if I'm going to make it in this. Yes. And I can kind of just go into business because you studied at a business school. What made you think like, no, I have to do this? Again, it's, it's one of those things inside. Like I've always been someone who likes to do things that scares me so I love it I'm an adrenaline junkie I love speed I love I want to you know fall off a plane I want to do all this crazy (laughs) stuff um and I can't lie the music stuff scared me Mm. and I think that's why I wanted to do it more it's Mm -hmm. really weird I have this thing where I I like to put myself in danger and all this kind of stuff in in a good way though (laughs) like I'm still careful um I don't know I think the more people tell me I'm bad at something or I can't do something, I want to do it more. And I think it's the, it has the opposite effect. So if, if someone kept saying, oh, you're so sick, you're this, 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 yeah, do it. I kind of feel spoiled and I feel like I, d- I shouldn't have to work hard enough because I've already been given that praise. Wow, you I'm know the opposite. I mean? Yeah. So I go by like positive affirmations. So if someone says like, you're amazing, I'm like, I have to be amazing every time now. Yeah. So every time I have to be bigger and better because their amazing level was here. Mm. So now in order for me to like go here, that's going to be their new amazing level. Yeah. But some people do work in that way. And so many people I sit down on this podcast with say like, everyone told me I couldn't do it. And I wanted to like battle against that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a sense of proving them wrong and also proving yourself right. Mm-hmm. Um. That's what I think the psychology is behind it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad I pulled I'm through. Glad you did it. <laughs> I stuck to it. So you went to uni. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what happened when you finished uni. So your parents are happy. Your grandma's got that photo of you. <laughs> yeah. Still probably hanging in your living room. Yeah, it is. It is. It is indeed. Right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was going to go on to do a PGCE, 
Um, so, okay. so the backup plan was to be um, a teacher in the performing arts sector, whether it's, um, so I did art and design, right. um, performing arts. And so I would either be a teacher for that or music or dance or something. As long as I'm a teacher, my family would have been set. Then, okay. then they'd be very proud and they would show me off. Oh, my daughter's a singer, and now a singer, a teacher. <laughs> um, so I was very close because I met my best friend in uni she, okay. and she was on the same course. She was going to do the same thing. And then something, I don't know what it was, we graduated and everything else. I just thought in my head, um, okay, I only live once and my life is short. Now, um, if I'm on my deathbed and I'm going really deep and I look back at my life, am mm. I really going to feel like you live the best life you possibly could? Mm. Risk-free though. And the you know that phase of risk-free scares me because mm. what, I don't want to live in a world where, it's, where it was like shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah. What if, what if I tried it? Mm-hmm. I don't want that in my head. So I need to try it. And if it fails, that's cool. At least I tried. That would make me feel much better rather than living my whole life, you know, very content, very settled, the same thing every day, nine for to sure. five, being married with kids and just not having something to live for, especially something I really wanted to do. That would make me feel like I didn't live well enough. And now tell me when you told your parents that. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't tell them that, but okay. uh, but, but when I, I just thought after uni, I'm just going to pack my bags and go to London. What? Yeah. I don't even know how or <laughs> what made me feel like that. I guess it was that that thought there was something in me. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do because I had no friends in London. I had no family, barely had any money because I just finished uni. Yeah. Um, but I had an opportunity to audition for a girl band um, in London. So um, a good friend of mine uh, in the industry, he, he said there's an opportunity for being the next sort of little mix for Britain and um, <clears throat> he got a call saying that little mix are um, they're planning to do their final studio album and they're going to call it quits so um, Simon Cowell gave this guy a call who was auditioning for the girl band and said we need uh, a female group to represent the UK and I think they had fifth harmony at the time in the states that little mix here but they needed someone else had one direction all that stuff yeah so i was like okay well that's sick that's that's something i could definitely try mm-hmm. but it's not in the asian scene so i was already releasing songs for the punjabi market or the asian market okay. um but then i, I kind of took a break i felt a bit lost i was in uni at that time um but i said i don't know how people are going to take this or what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. It might not even work out, but let's try again, taking an opportunity. Right. So apparently there were 2,000 girls that auditioned up and down the UK. Okay. But me and three other girls made it into the official thing. Oh, my so, God. Um, so, yeah, at that time, um, I said to my mom, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be the teacher that you want me to. Okay. But just trust me. Um, and you left. And I left. With money, uh, a little bit, not okay. not <laughs> enough to buy food and train tickets and all that stuff, but not enough to live, live, you know, of like course. go out and all that stuff, which I never did anyway, to be honest. And so, what I was doing was commuting to London every weekend. So I didn't officially move, but okay. I was commuting. 
so I was with the girl band and our manager at the time put us, they had like a warehouse in Biggin Hill. Okay. Right, right by the airport. Um, really dingy place. I don't even think it's legal to live there. So me and the three girls were living in one room with two bunk beds, no windows, Stop. just a light bulb. <laughs> no way. And it was small. Like I literally felt like I was getting ill all the time because you constantly each other's, there's no breathing space. But we did that for a whole year. And um, there was a, a music studio upstairs, a dance studio upstairs. The bathroom was downstairs in the kitchen, a really small kitchen. Um, and that that was what it what it was to for the sake of a dream. Like we didn't know if this was gonna work out, but me and those three girls, we, you know, we were like 21, really young, and we we're just hungry, you know. So um we would wake up every day, get ready, brush our teeth, shower. With four got, people in one room. Four four girls in one room, yeah. And um go I presume one bathroom, right? One bathroom, yeah. yeah. And then go straight to the dance studio, start rehearsing first thing in the morning, all day. And, and that was it. That was our life. And how did that transition to being a solo artist? So um, we were, we auditioned for Prince Got Talent. I did see that the other day for the first time. I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> I was literally like, oh my God. <laughs> but you were so confident even then. Like you were just, you from what I see of you and I think what other people see of you is like, you just knew that this was what you wanted to do because you can just see it in you from such a young age. You're not scared. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I feel like I, the confidence thing comes from the enjoyment of it. I think mm -hmm. I enjoy being on stage and entertaining people. And mm -hmm. I, I love just having bants and cracking jokes. Like I'm not a serious artist, you know, Yeah. like I like to have fun on stage and it's like it's just in my DNA. Mm -hmm. Like I, I never had an opportunity to tr to train because when I asked my mum for some money for singing lessons, she was like, "No, I'm a single mum. I, I can barely like make ends meet," which which I understood. But like, if if she had done that, it would have made me a much stronger artist because you know singing. There's one thing having raw talent. There's one thing perfecting that. Mm -hmm. But it's like going to school and learning. You know, we we went on to Brain's Got Talent, and that's when Simon Cowell called uh, my manager and said let's give them some exposure so we went on to the show we got through the first round um and then it was incredible this was the first time we've ever performed in public as a group and so that whole year we've been you know God. singing training our lungs um dancing making music as well like making our own music but we'd never performed anywhere so nobody knew about us i mean we were called the mistreats um <laughs> So uh, we went on to Brains Got Talent and Simon Cowell said we were the best um, singing band on the show that they've had. The whole, all of the judges loved us. Um, the crowd loved us. There were pages being made about us. Um, we were on Lorraine, ITV. We were doing like no all these interviews and everything. So um, it was just a really sudden thing, like from living in a dingy place to you know, with a dream and just slowly accelerating. So we did our second show. So we got to the semifinals. Mm -hmm. That was the second um, part of it. And everyone loved us. We didn't get through after that, mm -hmm. but it gave us enough exposure. So the plan was after that was to get a deal. Right. And so we were auditioning for, um, it was Island Records. I think it was Sony as well. There's quite a few, I can't remember the rest. Um, and they all loved us, but Little Mix still wanted to continue which meant we didn't get the deal. Otherwise, we could have been the next British girl band, which, oh which would have changed my life. <laughs>
but to just to know that that's something that could have happened and mm -hmm. I was able to be part of it mm -hmm. and I was picked that is enough to say again I tried you know and how old were you at the time I was 21 you're 21 yeah so I'm just thinking from your perspective, you always knew you wanted to be a singer. Your mum said no, you've moved to London, you've worked so hard and actually that dream has come true because you're singing in, and I watched that audition by the way, because I told someone I was interviewing you yeah. and they said, oh, did you know that she was on X Factor? So I was like looking at X Factor and then I found it was Britain's Got Talent. Yeah. So <laughs> went on Britain's Got Talent, saw that and I just thought how mad it is to stand there on stage with thousands of people. Like it's crazy. Yeah. And then to get that dream, and then to go audition for all these companies and then to not get it. Hmm. How did you deal with that? It how was, did you not give up at that point? Um, I think I'm very used to being rejected in a lot of ways. Okay. So I feel like I'm numb to rejection in, in a way. So it doesn't really affect me. I'm like, it is what it is. What can I do next? Why do you say that? Just because, um, you know, it's, uh, it's human nature for you to not always get what you want, um, even when you have high expectations, especially. Mm -hmm. And you have to be geared up for that. So, yes, I can have this dream and whatever, and it could be leading into the right direction. And I've got all my hopes up. But then I have to be very wary that it could also be taken away just like that. So, like, not, it's not it's not me being negative. It's me being realistic. And I feel like sometimes if you expect too much, you are going to be disappointed sometimes so you gotta stay hopeful try your best but also know that it's nothing's guaranteed especially in music it's so fickle and are you about are you like that with everything or um, just with your career yeah I think mainly my career mm -hmm. but I feel like where I am in my life right now I'm pretty settled because of the people I have in my in my life mm -hmm. whether it's friends family my partner um even like my team in my music, I feel like I could never feel rejected from them. So wow. I, I feel I have stability in my life in that sense. Right. But where I could or could not go in my music, I have no control of that. That's up to the listeners and the people supporting me. It's interesting you say that because I think a reflection I've had recently is, I think my upbringing was my parents made me very tough in terms of you've got to be really independent from a young age. But because of that, I think there's good and bad things. Mm -hmm. I think the good thing is I am super independent. I don't rely on anyone. Yeah. The bad thing of that is like, I always think I don't need anyone. Yeah, I, I have the same thing. Right? Yeah. And when you were saying that, I was like, I feel a big similarity there because it's like, I love them that they're there and this is amazing and this is great, but it could be taken away from me at any moment. Yeah. And I feel that about everything. And I feel like, I can't get attached to too many things Yeah, too much because I have been in a position where, for example, I lost someone I love, mm. like my grandma. And after that, I think that made me feel even more like, oh, I can't, I can't be close to anyone. Yeah, And that wall breaks down a lot. But if I think about it, like when you're telling me that, I'm like, oh, that touched a nerve with me because mm. I'm like, I feel the same way. Like you can't, you can't be too attached to something. That doesn't mean I'm not really emotional though when I don't get something. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, <clears throat> it's kind of like trauma, right? So right. I guess for me, like not to get too deep, but um, I learned this like in a psychological way as well. Like my my dad left when I was five. Mm -hmm. And so 
I didn't really understand what that was, but it, I had a very rocky childhood. Like mm. it just didn't make any sense to me. And I feel like that is what led me to want to do music as well, because music was my sense of escape, escaping, being at home mm. and having to deal with a lot of stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So even at school, when I was in school, I used to um, stay till really late. I, I, I could I would try and do whatever class I could just to stay away from home because I wanted to be away. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I feel like I'm also independent, like I don't. I'm not used to being around people all the time or asking anyone for anything. Yes. I hate asking people for stuff. Mm -hmm. I never do that. Um, and I think it's because I've never really had that in my childhood. Like I could never just call my dad and be like, oh, could I borrow a hundred pounds or do you want to take me out? Like we never had that relationship. A lovely guy, by the way, love him to bits. It just didn't work out with him and my mum. And my mum was always at work. So it was just me. It was just me. What about <laughs> and I'm used to it. Sorry. What about um, siblings? My siblings were, they're 10, 11 years older than me. So they were more like my parents. Okay. And so they were, they would have been around 15, 16 when my dad left. So they were out being teenagers. Harder for them because they're teenagers dealing with that, but less so for me because I don't understand what's going on. And so they weren't really there. Um, so I'd spend a lot of my time with my grandma and um, watch Bollywood films and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm just used to being alone, but I love my own company. I love, Same. even now, like I love being by myself. Same. When I go shopping, I don't want to go with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't get it when people are like, should we go shopping should we together? Go I'm like, huh? I, I never understood it. Yeah, same. <laughs> but I mean, it's cool. You, know, you feel with your girls and everything. But I just don't have that same feeling. Same. Um, but I'm cool with it. And do you have like one best friend? Yes. Oh, you do? See, I don't. It's so interesting. My friend, my friends are going to be watching this. Like, how dare you say that about me? Like, I can't believe you're not <laughs> you, saying that. I know people have, are going to message you me. You can like, have like 10 best friends. Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> literally. But I feel as well in that sense, when I see like, okay, this is such a stupid example, but you know, Kylie Jenner and Jordan, do you remember they were like best, yeah, best, yeah, best yeah. friends? Yeah. I couldn't have someone like that who lived with me, who did everything with me. No, I, c I couldn't have that. No, and, I, no. and, I, and I sometimes think it's because I'm just so, I just love being by myself. Yeah. That if someone is so close to me, I'm a bit like claustrophobic. I feel like I'm not that, like that yeah. in a relationship. Yeah. yeah but yeah, with same. friendship, I yeah. am a bit like that weirdly. But yeah. it is, I think so much from our childhood translates into our adulthood. Does that Absolutely. make sense? Right? Absolutely. Because when you're a kid, you're a sponge. So you're absorbing mm -hmm. everything that's going on around you, whether, and especially from your family, right? So yeah your parents are your biggest examples. And mm -hmm. I feel like, I mean, in, for me anyway, what they taught me had so much to do with how I think now. Yeah, A lot of it is trauma. A lot mm -hmm. of it is dis is being abandoned. A lot of it is so many things, mm -hmm. but has made me so strong. And I think that's why I love doing dangerous things. I love doing things that scare me. Yeah. I love taking risks and doing things that, normal people wouldn't do because I feel like I've got nothing to lose that makes so much sense so you were in a girl band how do you transition to a solo artist so after the girl band I well tell me actually after the island records when you guys didn't get that um we were obviously all down mm. um but I guess it's something that it was kind of needed as well because we're so young we're so excited we had we still had so much to learn um, but after that, um, one of the girls fell pregnant, um, 
So I, I think that would have made things hard anyway, especially if you're starting out and we're all 21. Um, after that, we just, I, I was the one who called in. I called my, I spoke to the girls first and I said, look, girls, I love you all to bits. I've really loved our journey and my time with you. I just feel like nothing's moving right now. And I wasn't getting paid. I, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like it was a job. So I have to, I need to live, you know, I need to eat. I need to bring food to the table and all this other stuff. So they said, that's fine. Like they all felt the same way, but nobody said anything. And so I said to them, you guys don't worry. I'll call our manager and I'll say, I'll be the first one to say, I'm, I'm, I want to mm-hmm. go separate ways. So you guys don't have to do that. And so I called him and I was expecting him to say, no, you can't do this. Da, 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 da. You know, mm-hmm. managers can be sometimes like you kind of want to latch, but he was cool with it. I, I said, um, you know, thank you for everything you've done and the opportunities that you've created. Uh, but I have to be honest, like I, I need to, I feel like I'm not doing enough. I feel like I'm not getting anywhere with this. Mm-hmm. I've spent a whole year with you guys, you know, working for free, rehearsing every single day. Um, but, but nothing's come out of it. And I know you guys tried your best, but I need to do my own thing now. Mm-hmm. He said, that's cool. Um, like I completely understand and, you know, I wish you all the best. And if there's anything you need, just, just call me. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Mm-hmm. So it was much, it ran much smoothly than I thought, than I anticipated. Um, so after that, I, um, I took a little bit of a break. I was going back to my mom's house and trying to figure my life out. And I know deep down, she's probably thinking, see, I told you, <laughs> be a teacher. <laughs> um, but I knew I'm going to make it work. Whatever it is I do, I know there's like I have to do something um and so I was contacting a lot of producers and writers um who I knew from the industry Mm -hmm. or knew of and we just started making a lot of music and everything like that and this and this isn't just like an overnight thing right this was a period of five years wow yeah so I would have been 25 well four years actually I was 25 my gosh and that's when I met Shay, who produces a lot of my music now. Yeah. And it's a funny story because I invited him to my house and it was a friend who, one of my friends said, you need to, you need to meet my mate, Shyle, they call him. Right. Um, that's his real name. And I was like, okay, cool. And started showing me his music and everything like that. And I was like, there's no harm in me seeing him. Mm-hmm. So I came to my house with my mate and um, we were just sharing music. Mm-hmm. And we just connected. So initially we were just meant to launch one song and that's it. Okay. But we went to the studio. We started, you know, it's like the more time we spent with each other, we, things were just clicking and just our vibe. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're exactly the same. Like I'm like his brother. He's like my brother, you know, (laughs) it's it's, it's like, it's that kind of relationship. And we've got the same taste in music and we have this sort of mainstream vision, like bringing Asian music into the mainstream world because we, we grew up listening to mainstream music as well. Yeah. And um, it's funny, like we now we've created Big Bounce, our own label, we're the founders, we've made a studio together, we've released mm-hmm. so much music together and and we perform everywhere together now. And and it's funny because Shay was in the same position as, as, as me in the time of the break. So he launched a song with Genuine um, had a Bollywood actress in the music video, so and he was touring with like Next, um, One Twelve, and all these big 
American stars. Mm -hmm. So he has had a massive like, you know, moment. But after that, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, took his confidence away and took my confidence away at the same time. And we've been on this journey. When we found each other, it's like this was meant to be. Yeah. We were both in this place. We both felt a bit, you know, depressed with our life because mm-hmm. he also had the same thing about he didn't go to uni and, you know, his family weren't supportive and they were looking down on him like, you know, you should have listened. And But now this is why we try to work as hard as we can together. We have the same vision because we've been through the same journey. It's crazy to me that you, it's taken, like you're telling me about this five-year journey because people, when they look at you now, 10 days is hard. Mm. 10 days of not getting the immediate reward is difficult yeah right and someone the other day and I did a Q&A and someone said how do you stay consistent when you don't get an immediate reward and I was like nothing in life that is worthwhile is going to get you immediate mm. reward you have to set small milestones for sure like you have to break your goals down and set small milestones but that's not going to happen every day and there's going to be one and especially in this industry one one day you'll get some amazing news yeah and the next day you'll get some crap news yeah and what's been the hardest thing for me since leaving my corporate job is in my corporate job, anything I got with a podcast that was like a win would be like a massive win. Cause I'd be yeah. like, it's, it's an addition. And every time I got, every time, every time I didn't get something, I'd be like, oh, it's all right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really impact me. Yeah. Now every win is like survival for me. I'm yeah. like, I need that. I am so like, hallelujah. Like it's a relief. And every rejection is like a stab in the back. Cause I'm like, oh, that was so hard, you yeah, know? Yeah. And that's the hardest transition for me. But in terms of like for how you went through those four years and not giving up and going to meet all these people and, and still having that hope, how did you manage that? It's, it's a funny one because I sometimes ask myself this, like normally, well, in, in my industry, for example, I've seen a lot of girls, which there aren't many of anyway, no. um, come through, have a, have a great song, but then they're gone. Yeah. It's like there's no consistency that I don't know where they've gone. I used to think like, why do people make music, re- release it, really, really good music, but then they, that's it. Like they just disappear. Mm-hmm. And I've realized it's because I'm in the industry and I know what it's like and how easy it is to be like, I'm just going to call it a day now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, don't get me wrong. Like there has been times, many times where... I've cried and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore, man. <laughs> this is too much. It's not going to get anywhere. And you know, that that negativity is just, it was absorbing me so much at one point. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I, I don't really know why I haven't given up. Maybe, maybe I'm just not that person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got a lot of people to prove wrong, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? And having people around you, I think is really, really important. And especially since your journey, since you've grown, obviously you've got a lot of traction with Britain's Got Talent. And generally now I feel like everybody knows you and it can be overwhelming at times to make new friends and to meet new people. Yeah. Have you still got those same people around you from the beginning? And how do you trust people now? I haven't really got the same people um, from the beginning. Okay. Which kind of sucks because sometimes it's nice to have people that you've known from day one who are Mm -hmm. still there. But again, there's a reason for that, right? People naturally filter, you naturally filter out people in your life based on uh like where where your journey is going for sure so I think it's just human nature sometimes relationships or friendships or whatever it is it's not aligned some people might get jealous some people might think you've changed which I feel is 
not a bad thing because you want to be the same person they were like 10 years ago mm-hmm. we, we sh- as human beings we should be constantly developing in a better way mm-hmm. not in an arrogant way but you know it's self-development but some people they don't like that especially when they've known you for so long or and I, I feel like it's it's a jealousy thing mm-hmm. a lot of the times um but yeah like now it's like it's like a detox like the people who were not meant to be there are not there and I, I'm cool with that. Like I, I love everyone's bits. Um, I, there's no animosity or I don't hold grudges. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just not meant to be. We're all in different lanes. Um, but the people I have now, like they genuinely want to see me win. Genuinely, mm-hmm. even if you know I was a superstar and they they weren't or whatever, I know they would still be clapping for me because. Yeah. I'm, I have a good judge of character. Like I know when someone really means it and when someone's just saying it because they want to be nice to you. Oh, for sure. I yeah. like say this and I think every podcast now, I should, my podcast name should be this. It's energy doesn't lie. Yeah. And when you meet someone, you know when they're like, I've listened to your music and I really like you. Or it's like, yeah, you're doing well. Or they don't mention anything. Yeah. And I always feel that like, no one can pinpoint that feeling. And people always say to me like, yeah, but how do you know? And I'm like, I just do. You know, man, <laughs> it's, it's, it's your gut, isn't it? It's and like a feeling. Yeah, and especially now you're going to all these events and you always meet people. You know the people that are just talking to you for one particular reason. Yeah. You know the people are talking to you because they're genuinely happy to meet you and genuinely happy to see you. But I want to talk about Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. You were the first female Punjabi singer to ever perform at Glastonbury. I think even the first probably fe- female Asian we don't know that as a fact I I don't don't know know that (laughs) but I think so I haven't seen anyone in the Asian space perform tell me about that experience um so when I first got the email Mm -hmm. um to say you're can you come and perform at Glastonbury so I was booked um to perform in Kenya on the same date right and I was like oh crap two really great gigs but Glastonbury bruv (laughs) literally I was like, no, this must be like spam email or something. So I had to really check on this. And it was legit. So I sent it to my management and and I had a chat with them. I was like, so we've just been booked for the gig in Kenya, but we've got Glastonbury. What do we do? Because it's been confirmed on the other side. And they're like, Bambi, it's Glastonbury, bruv. (laughs) We need to do this. I was like. Okay, cool. So then, and anyway, they ha- they handled the other gig or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but Glastonbury was definitely a pinch me moment. It was so surreal, and I don't think it even hit me. Like even though I knew about mm-hmm. it for like a month or two that I was performing Glastonbury, I didn't tell anyone. I just kept it to myself. But I also didn't feel like it was real. Like I wasn't excited about it because it was just surreal. Mm-hmm. Until I hit the stage, I was on the stage just about to perform and all of a sudden I nearly had a heart attack. I was like, oh my God, Bambi, you're at Glastonbury. I was like, I'm just about to go on stage. (laughs) But honestly, it was was just nice to feel like I'm being recognized as an Asian talent on a stage like that, Mm -hmm. um, which can be predominantly a white crowd. So it's, it's really nice to see that people are loving my music from all cultures and I'm all about diversity. Like, you know, where, where I'm from, where I'm born Mm -hmm. and bred to the schools I've been in, to who I surround myself with. I don't stick to a particular culture and Mm -hmm. neither do I stick to a particular sound. I'm all about diversity. So when people ask me, what's the kind of crowd 
you want to be singing to. I said, I don't want just Asian. Yeah. I want white, black and Asian. Yeah. I want it to be mixed. I want everyone to, it's, for me, it's unity, you know? And um, that's exactly what I experienced at Glastonbury. All cultures, loving my music. Like 90% of them didn't know who I was. So it was a bit of a scary moment because it, it felt like an audition. It's like I'm there to prove to everyone why I should be on this stage. Um, and well, you proved them right. <laughs> and everyone loved it. Like it was, it was a beautiful day. It was surreal. And Glastonbury in itself, like if you haven't been there, you have to go. It's I've been. Oh, it's you've been? mad. Yeah. It's absolutely mad. So anyone watching this, you <laughs> have to go. It's, it should be number one on your bucket list. I can't even explain. It's like a dream, right? It is. It's a dream, I think it's, dreamland. If you don't know about Glastonbury, you have to fight yeah. to get the tickets. Yeah. So to yeah. be able to perform there, I think is, is crazy. Yeah. And if I'm honest, like when I watch you on stage... You are so different sitting on this couch. <laughs> like you are literally, the, you have such a strong straight stage presence. And I love that. I think that is so powerful. And I think so many people tap into that. And that is who you have to be to be a good performer, right? Yeah. But speaking to you today, you're just so humble. You're so softly spoken. You're so kind. And I really want to thank you for being so open with me because I know that some things that we talk about on this podcast are hard to revisit. But I think watching you and watching you succeed and watching you grow is just phenomenal. And I know loads of people watching and listening to this love your music and I love your music too. So <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Hey everyone. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, if you could press the like, follow and subscribe button, it would mean the world to me.